This is the Conduit Church Podcast. It is our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us. Thanks for joining us for this week's teaching. Merry Christmas, Conduit. My name is Darren, one of the pastors here. We're so excited that you've joined us. Um, as we were watching this, I was wondering, I mean, Jason, you and I have been to Bethlehem and uh, Israel. And, like, I don't know if they stopped at the falafel house on their way. You know what I mean? Or the matzo barrel. Like, I, I, don't, under, I don't know if there was anything in between Nazareth and Bethlehem. Other than to say that they would have had seven days. Joseph and Mary had seven days on foot. Actors Maybe on a donkey. We don't know. But we know that it was the a long 90-mile journey. Think of walking from here to Huntsville with your very pregnant wife. And in seven days, between her probably barking at him just a little bit, could we not have planned this better? Can we not get this donkey to walk more carefully? Like, I'm pregnant. Like, in between all of that, they had plenty of opportunities to ask the questions that we were kind of presented with here, which is a question that only Christmas can ultimately answer. Where is home? I was having a conversation not long ago with a friend of mine. He and his wife live here. His kids live in Texas. Some kids live in Oklahoma there. But he was asking the question, like, I don't even know where home is anymore. And I remember when Shannon and I moved here, 1990-something, you know, our home became here. It was like a little apartment in Bellevue. It was about enough space to put a bed. Actually, that was about it. Like, it was all, that was all we had. <laughs> you could almost reach your arms on both sides and touch the walls, but it was our, it was our house. It was the question that we didn't even know we were asking, which is, where is home? I don't know how many in this room are from Tennessee. I mean, I don't know, the DeForts, OG. But for many of us, we don't really have a home home. We might have a house. We might have a place. But that was the story of Mary and Joseph. You see, they left Bethlehem. Sorry, they left Nazareth to go to Bethlehem, right? That's, we just heard. Bethlehem was Joseph's home. And if you're thinking of like Joseph and Mary, back in Nazareth where Mary was pregnant, I grew up in a small town, let me tell you this much. If uh, your fiance says she's pregnant and that it was the Holy Spirit, the gossip circles of a small town, they ain't buying that. Right, So they went to Bethlehem. Yeah, there was a census being taken. But you know where they were going? They were going, Luke chapter 2, verse 4 tells us, to where Joseph belonged. It was his home, his family, his people lived in Bethlehem. He was with his family. So like we talked about here, wherever your family is, there's a portion of home that happens in that. But just like maybe in your home, the same was in Joseph's home. It was complicated. So complicated, the place he grew up in didn't even have a place to put his newborn baby. So the place that was supposed to be this home that he had imagined in his mind wasn't, wasn't what he had imagined it to be. But here's what I know about homes that aren't imagined what you imagine them to be. They're, they're a place of foundation. See, it was in Bethlehem 
where they built their foundation. The, the foundation of the angels appearing, the foundation of they took Jesus to the temple. It was the, the foundation of Mary's and Joseph's faith was laid in Bethlehem. And just like many of us, once the foundation has been laid, God calls you to a new place. It's a place of incubation. Now for them, that was Egypt. You gotta get out of here. He's warned in the middle of the night, you gotta leave. We gotta get you out. They're gonna try to kill your son. And so they go to Egypt. Egypt in, in the Bible is always a picture of, of the world. It's a picture of far away. It's a place of exile. It's a place of outcasts. It's a place of exiles. And what I believe Mary and Joseph found in Egypt was their people. You see, I have family here. My brother-in-law is here, right? My uh, mother-in-law is here. My, of course, my beautiful wife and my four children, which they seem to scatter, but they, they do come back. But, I, you know, we found a, a, a home here. But in Bethlehem, what they found, right, was a foundation. But in Egypt, what they found was incubation because it wasn't family there. They found their people there. See, what happened about four years ago when the world got flipped completely upside down, it was almost like somebody reshuffled the Uno deck, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm over here and I'm over there. And, and what I found over these last four years is not only did I have my family, which made this a home, but now I've got my people. And I don't know about you, but I feel like in this room is a bunch of people. We found our people. So home, right, is about your family. Home is about finding your people. But even in Egypt, they're away from where they thought they were supposed to be. They're in a desert. And history teaches us that they probably were on an island in the Nile River. And just like uh, here, those, in fact, if you guys moved here from the coasts, you probably thought, Tennessee, that feels like Egypt to me. <laughs> so far away, they're probably still riding horses and saying yee-haw and stuff but you've moved to Tennessee and maybe you've found your people here. But in Egypt, they also felt like they were kind of trapped. They couldn't go anywhere else. They're on this island. They're surrounded by water. And, and if you feel like in your home, your situation, even though you're with your people, even though you're with your family, you feel like you might be trapped, know that after God has built a foundation in you, he's gonna send you on a journey of incubation. You see, a jail, they might have felt trapped. They might have felt like they're imprisoned and I can't move and this is like a jail cell. But a jail cell and an incubator have the exact same qualities. They just have different purposes. A jail is to punish you and hold you back. An incubator is to grow you and to launch you forward. And so for those few years in Egypt, that home that they found there with their people incubated them until it was time to go home. You might be in a time of incubation in your life right now. God appeared again to Joseph in a dream and said, don't go back to Bethlehem. You see, it appears if you read the gospels that Joseph had fully intended to make their home in Bethlehem. It was his house. He, he quote, belonged there. That was where he should have belonged but it was once again warmed in a dream. Don't go back to Bethlehem. It's not safe. Herod is dead, but his predecessor is still dangerous. And so now Joseph and Mary, leaving Egypt, a place of incubation, 
Fortunately, they had the beauty of a foundation from Bethlehem are now heading to Nazareth. And if you're Mary, Nazareth must have been terrifying because that was where she was raised. It was where she became pregnant. It was where the town began to marginalize her and exile her and judge her because they didn't understand. And I know I've felt this and maybe you have too that Man, God has put words in you. God has called you to do certain things. And the world around you, your family, your people, they just don't understand. But in Nazareth, where they didn't understand Jesus, it was there that God took Mary so that Mary could understand Jesus. Because now that she's been incubated, right? Now that she's had the foundation, now she's moving into a place of preparation. This was a house that was to prepare her. The view from their front courtyard would have overlooked the, the plains, the, the valley of Megiddo. It's the valley of Megiddo we know as the valley of Armageddon, the battle that one day Jesus himself will lead to restore this world to, uh, to everything that is good and, and true and righteous. He's overlooking that. He's literally growing, it's his front yard. He's growing up looking at the battlefield that was to come. Mary in that season was being prepared herself. Mary went from, if you remember, it was from Nazareth that she would take Jesus into Jerusalem and then she would lose him. Do you guys remember this? Lost Jesus for two days. Can you imagine how much uh, Joseph got yelled at for that. Well, it couldn't have been Mary's fault. 100% had to be Joseph, right? So, but Mary loses Jesus. She gets him back, but there's language that's used throughout this in Nazareth of where Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. And it's where Mary grew. And Mary went from arguing with Jesus to now, remember the, the wedding at Cana? The last recorded words of Mary in the scripture are this. It's in John chapter two. Just do whatever he says. Because Nazareth had prepared her for what was to come. See, the homes that we have might be a house. Nazareth, they had a house. In fact, it says in Luke two that they went back to Nazareth so they could, quote, make a house of their own. Egypt, they had their people. Bethlehem, they had their family. But they had one thing in common with all of those locations. Christ. Jesus was with them every step of the way. What makes your house a home, what makes home this side of heaven home, isn't a location it's an inhabitation of Jesus in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The book of Ephesians tells us, chapter three, that Christ wants to make his home in you and in me. In Ephesians two, verse two, it actually goes on to say that we're, all, we're like a subdivision for Jesus. I'm a house for Jesus, Sarah's a house for Jesus, right? Shannon's a house for Jesus. We're, but we're like a subdivision that Jesus resides in all of our houses together. And I would say to you this morning that if you're feeling homeless, 
I wanna start with just saying it could very well be that you're actually right where you're supposed to be, but God is using this as the place to build a foundation in you. If you talk to anybody in this room, they'll say, we just had this conversation with some folks before we started. This has been the hardest year of their life. If that's you, it might be the hardest year of your life. Maybe God is building a foundation in you because he's got something for you, but you've got to have the foundation to work from. Bethlehem gave them that foundation. And I know many of you, I've talked to you, I don't like this job that I'm in. I don't like this situation. I don't like this house that I'm in. You feel like I'm trapped. I can't get out. Christ in you, right? It could just be using that as a place of, of incubation. Get, getting you strong enough to move out into where he's called you to be. And if you've just had a wild year of <laughs> all kinds of stuff flying at you, it might just be that it's a time of preparation for what is to come but not listen to me it's Christmas if I just want I'm begging you please listen to this none of what I'm saying to you is true if Christ has not resided in you the question that Christmas answers is where is my home and it answers that question with this answer you are the home You've been looking for a home everywhere out there and you are the home. God is looking for a habitation. That's Ephesians 2.2. 2. In an habitation with man, you are the temple. You are the tent. You are the home, the house of the Holy Spirit here on earth. And I want to challenge you today in a time of uncertainty ask yourself that question, have I invited Christ to live in my home, my temple? The Bible tells us very specifically, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And at that moment of being born again, Christ literally inhabits you. The Bible is full of this language, that he would no longer dwell in a temple. He would no longer dwell in a tent, but he would dwell in you and in me. And today, I'm asking you to prayerfully consider, would you invite Christ to make his home in you? And if that's true, if he is, and you invite him in, it doesn't matter where your location is because the inhabitation of Christ is in you. Whether you are in Orange County or Williamson County or any other county in America, any other country on the planet, whatever your circumstance is, it's why the Bible says that it's not you in Christ that's the hope of glory, it's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. Ask yourself a question right now. You got dressed up. You drug your kids all the way down here. Make it worth your drive. Ask yourself this question. Have I invited Christ to make his home in me? Christmas says that God would not drag us, make us climb all the way to get our home in heaven. Christmas tells us that God would climb all the way down here to make his home in you. Brothers and sisters, there is no religion on the planet that makes that claim. 
And the reason they don't is because in any other religion, it's not true. In this faith, in this walk, it is true because Christ did live. Christ did die. He did resurrect and he is still alive today. And now he wants to make his home in you. Would you prayerfully consider to make that commitment right now? I'm going to pray for you. And if you've already made that in Jesus's home in your heart, man, be praying for those right now that might be making that decision. And for those of you that are making that decision for the first time, our next thing, our next step is then we're going to take communion together. You now as a Christ follower, Christ in you, the hope of glory, communion tells the story of what Christ in you actually means. So bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you. If this is your first time, man, you make this your prayer. You don't have to stand up. You don't got to run down to the front. You just right where you are, man. Call upon the name of the Lord. He says, if you will confess with your mouth that he is Lord, if you'll believe it in your heart, you will be saved. So Father, in this room today, I pray that those who are experiencing that the drawing of the Holy Spirit in their own hearts this morning, Lord, that they would listen and say yes to that. Lord, in everybody in their seats right now, if you're crying out saying, God, please, I repent. I'm turning around. I want to follow you, Jesus. You are the son of God. You are Emmanuel. You have come to be with us. Now make your home in me, Jesus. If that's the first time you've ever prayed that, would you do me a favor? You're going to be tempted to do this later. Please don't because there's little magnetic strips above every door here and they make you forget everything before you leave. So just don't do that right where you are. Just drop a quick info at conduitchurch.com. Man, I made a decision to follow Jesus and we have pastors that want to follow up with you on that. Now, those of you that have followed Jesus, those of you that have Christ in you, who is the hope of glory, in the end of your seats, there should be below you a little basket with the elements of communion. I want to ask you to take those. It should be, I think, on the, which side? Right side, your other right, your right side. Reach under there and then pass them down. And if you are the last person to have one, just put it underneath your seat at the end of the aisle. And as those are being passed down, Christ on the last night of his life, he said he took this loaf of bread and he broke it in half. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Man, there's something incredibly potent, something incredibly miraculous in a moment like this to take Christ in. It's a, an image of us taking Christ inside of us, making his home in us, acknowledging that he resides in us. So if you take that, the little wafer thing, if you've got it, Let's place it in our mouths, taking Christ into us. Father, you're so good. Jesus, your body broken for us. And of course, a broken body means one thing, and that means blood that is shed. And when that blood was shed, it washed away all of those sins from us cleans us whiter than snow. There's no amount of, you can't shower off your sin. Only Jesus can scrub it off with his blood. 
because he took the punishment that I deserved. He is the propitiation for my sins and not just for my sins, but the sins of the whole world because of his blood. Take that now and drink it inside of you. Now, if Christ lives in you, Matthew 5 says that, right, we know that Jesus is the light of the world, but you know what Matthew 5 tells us? With Christ in us, you are the light of the world. Because inside, one of the favorite Christmas decorations I see these days is candles in the windows. I know they're fake, but because it reminds me of like the olden days. But here's the thing. He actually speaks of in Matthew 5 of a candle. You wouldn't put it under a bushel. You would, you, would light, you would hold it up, right? And that window into your soul, your eyes and your actions and your, 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 your love is where the love of Christ shines from within you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And that light on the inside of you that Christ places in you, open your curtains this year and let that light shine to everybody around us. It's one thing to talk about how dark the world is. It is quite another to just turn the light on. Brothers and sisters, this year, turn your light on. So we're gonna take our candles. We've got candle lighters. I think we've borrowed them from the Lutheran church. And as we sing this last song, our cast and crew are going to join us again. Shannon's going to join me. But let's sing Silent Night together. And as we sing this song, I want you to look around a room and see what a dark room looks like with a bunch of Jesus lights shining inside of them. Father, we th- thank you. You didn't ask us to reflect our own light. You gave us your light to reflect to this world. You didn't give us a manual to live by. You gave us Emmanuel to live with and in us. Lord, I pray that as we head out of here today, we may not have a candle in our hands, but we've got your light in our hearts and we want it to shine today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, Merry Christmas. God bless you.